Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, y'all. Happy uh, happy Easter from Sunny Slope. Beautiful morning out here. Couldn't be much prettier. That's kind of calm, not much wind, a great Easter Sunday. And beautiful day to get out and enjoy with your family, with your friends. and uh, But not at Whitfield Nurseries. Just a reminder, we are closed today. Uh, it's one of the days we're closed every year. So don't come see us at the nursery today. Come tomorrow. But uh, enjoy the day with your family and friends. We are, as, and uh, apparently Julia as well, because we have Byron in helping us this morning. And we have Gabriel here in the news, but we're having fun. Anyway, welcome to the Litfield Nursery Garden Show. We start off with wide open phones. As we proceed, you know, we know it usually gets busy towards the end. So if you got a question, a suggestion, an idea, a special Easter story, uh, give Byron a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827. That's 277-KTR. We could talk about uh, your life, your dreams, your aspirations. We could talk about all the beautiful things that grow here in the desert and how to grow them. We can talk about water. It's critical. It's life, and it's especially life important to us in the desert. We can talk about springtime. Springtime is Easter time. Easter time is a time of rebirth when things come back out. You know, things have been taking a little nap here for a long time. The Palo Verdes are flowering right on time. I know they might be not be the nicest for our allergies, but uh, they're certainly beautiful to look at here in the desert and around the town. And we could talk about all the different kinds of food we can grow. You know, here in the desert, we're fortunate enough to grow much of the winter vegetables for the whole United States. But in addition to that, we grow wonderful citrus. You can grow some nice stone fruits. I know that uh, driving out by our nursery orchard, we saw the Sneff Farms sign coming up that uh, May is peach time at Sneff Farms, which isn't very far away now. And so you can grow the stone fruits here as well. But whatever your desires and passions, and especially if you're doing something different at home, and uh, you've got a different type of plant you're growing, a different style, a cure for one of our elements here with, uh, you know, our desert heat or how to water or whatever you're doing that's kind of fun and different. We'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, number to call again for Mr. Gabriel, no, Mr. Byron today, 602-277-5827. Take our first caller this morning, Lee in Sun City. Good morning, Lee, and happy Easter. Thank you. Happy Easter also. I am thinking of uh, planting uh, some Japanese privet, uh, maybe a 5-gallon or 15-gallon, uh, in between old Japanese privet to make a hedge. Is okay. this a good planting time? Well, now is a good planting time. In fact, uh, Lee, if you're going to plant them at all this year... I would plant them, you know, in the next couple of weeks. I wouldn't wait and plant them in May through the summer. The, probably the best planting time for them, honestly, is in the fall. Um, oh. But you, you could plant them now and be very successful, but you want to do it sooner rather than later. You'd want to get them in this month and not plant them from May through, probably May through October is not a very good time. Oh, dear. I don't know whether to chance it or not. Well, you know, it hasn't been there for a while. You don't have to plant it. You could certainly wait. It could take the summer off. Are, are, are you going to stay in town all summer, or are you heading out of town? Mm, 
I have an RV, so maybe I would be gone. Well, if you're gone, wait and plan it in the fall. You'll be better off. I better. Okay. That's comforting to know. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Lee. Happy uh, Easter. Yeah, to you Thank as well. You. Bye-bye. Uh, Tim and Gilbert, good morning, Tim. Morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, I've been asking you about, um, I have wild carrot in my turf, mm-hmm. and I've been fighting it for a couple of years. Okay. And I did I did what you recommended about, you know, uh, pre-emergent in September and January around Christmas. Uh-huh. And um, my question is, it, it's still growing, and will, can you do, um, like, a broadleaf on that? Will it Yeah, yeah I, I would spray it with 2,4-D. Which 2-4-D. is yeah, two four D is also known as Agent Orange, and it's also known uh-huh. as Weed Be Gone. But it's in a lot of products. So if you look at herbicides, uh, look for the active ingredient. You know, on a broadleaf one, and most likely it's two four D. The only thing you want to be careful with at this time of year is it, it volatilizes and vaporizes and blows around, and you don't really want to spray it close to plants and things like that. But other than that, it's it's probably the best selective herbicide. And I think it'll kill the wild carrots. You know, carrots are one of those, you know, they plant carrots here almost every month of the year com- commercially. It's just a tough plant. Okay. And then uh, one more question. Um, I, you know, When you recommended uh, core aerate, um, can I, if I um, uh, power rake it, you know, I got a thatcher, mm-hmm. will that sure. help or will that? Well, no, that oh, helps as well. Okay. I mean, that's that's a whole different process, and it, and it thins out the runners and rhizomes. And, you know, that's good, too. I mean, the, the best thing is a combination of the two. And then, you know, after you uh, aerate it, you want to put down some gypsum or something to take advantage of those little holes in there and go down and kind of soften up the soil as well. Correct. Okay. Thank you very much. Happy Easter. You too, Tim. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, Mark and Gilbert, good morning, Mark. Good morning. How are you? Oh, excellent. It's a beautiful, you know, I almost didn't make it to the radio show. I, you know, I usually get up really early in the morning, three or four, and I woke up kind of early, but didn't, you know, didn't leave the bed and rolled back over. My wife woke me up at uh, 635, says, hey, don't you have a radio show today? You're taking Easter off. And I said, yeah, <laughs> better get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the reason we're calling, we have a key lime tree, mm-hmm. and it's probably five years old. Last year, it bloomed really early in comparison to all the other citrus trees in our neighborhood. And when the wind blew, we lost all our blossoms, and we only got one or two limes. Mark, let this me ask year, you a question. Does it have thorns? No, no thorns. Okay, you're not going to get much fruit on that tree. Oh. The the thornless limes are just not very prolific, okay? If you really want to have limes, take it out and plant a, a regular thorny, what we call here a Mexican lime, also the same as a key lime. But the thornless ones don't have much fruit. You you can fight it for the rest of your life or start over. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Or, but it's a beautiful tree. I mean, you know, the thornless limes, if you want a really pretty citrus tree to grow in a pot or something, they're beautiful. But if you want a tree to have limes, plant a regular Mexican lime or regular key lime, and you'll have a lot more fruit. And there's no fix in that tree unless you cut it off and regraft it. Well, thank you, but I'm sure sorry to hear that. Hope you have a great Easter. You too. Thanks, Mark. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, next up, we've got Curtis in El Mirage. Morning, Curtis. Good morning. Uh, I have a question regarding watering. We just got some two apple trees and a navel orange tree that we put in the ground. They're grafted, and so they're probably about three feet tall right now. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, I've never done a fruit tree or citrus tree before, and we live on an irrigated acre lot, and okay. we irrigate every other week. So what we're going to do for now is we're going to forget about your flood irrigation for this year, okay? And those little baby trees like that, you want to wrap the trunk, is the most important thing, from the ground. Uh, and if they're only two feet tall, we'd really, normally wrap them up taller, but at least to cover most of the trunk and, and make sure that they're not putting out any suckers below from the rootstock so that that's covered up. And you want to water them for, you know, probably this summer in El Mirage, probably twice a week. Um, if you see your ground staying wet, you can do it once a week. Now you can skip probably up to four or five days after an irrigation because the ground's going to be a lot wetter and the irrigation in the long run is going to be fantastic for them, but you wouldn't want to turn them over to the full-time irrigation until next spring. All righty. All righty. Hey, Curtis, Thank you so much. another little pointer is feed them lightly once a month all summer. You know, they're, okay. they're, they're like a young calf, you know, they got to have a little milk. And, and they'll do a little better if you just keep a constant fertilizer on them. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Dennis and Mesa. Then after Dennis, we're going to roll it over to wide open phones. We have Byron back here. just wonderful this morning. You guys put him to work. I mean, maybe it was just a good karma. Maybe Byron's at Easter Day. I don't know. Anyway, give Byron a call. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Dennis and Mesa, good morning. Good morning, and happy Easter to you. To you as well. And I got a quick question about a susu tree whose who's, uh, uh, roots are coming over into my, underneath my foundation of my house and towards my foundation of my house. What can you do to that? Well, how how big is the tree? It is on your property. It's not on my property. It's on a neighbor's property. And it stands up about, uh, well, before you cut it at the top, about 15 foot above the roof or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you've got a water source there. It wouldn't be heading your direction. Okay. So you can go over okay. by the fence and you can cut those roots off where they come through the fence. And uh, And I don't know where your water source is coming from there. But, um, you know, you're going to have to stop the water source, whether it's a leak or maybe you're running your irrigation too often. What do you have there where it's, where it's growing, Dennis? Is there a hose bib or you got sprinklers or what's there? I, I got sprinklers for, uh, for in my backyard, and then I also got a orange tree and a lime tree in my backyard. Okay. So how do you run your irrigation at home? Uh, about five to seven minutes in the morning. And evening. Okay, so you, you need to change your irrigation cycle. The reason why the roots came visiting at your place is because you're watering constantly and you're not watering correctly. So with, okay. your, with your trees like that, you should be watering. How, how old are your trees? Uh, they're, they're pretty old. They're uh, five years plus. Okay, five least. years uh, plus. So typically like on a citrus tree and things, five years plus. And most of Mesa, where you have heavier clay soil, you're going to water about once every two weeks in the wintertime and once a week in the summertime. And when you water, you want to water deep. So you want to water it for a long time, and that pushes the salts out down away from the roots of your plants, and it, it doesn't entice the sisu to come visiting. So you need to change your watering cycle. The sisus that are coming up in your yard, if they're sprouting leaves, let those get some size and spray them with glyphosate or Roundup and kill those. And uh, you could even spray it with 2,4-D to keep that away from your trees. But in the meantime, okay. for the health of your trees and, and not to have the problems, uh, change your irrigation cycle. 
And I, I would do it for right now probably once every 10 days. And then when it gets hot, you know, like 105 plus, then I'd run them once a week for this summer. And after this year, you can probably space it out even a lot further than that. But you want to put water on the trees long enough to get water down to a depth of two and a half or three feet and out as wide as the drip system is on the tree. Or so as wide as if it rains, the water drips off the edge of the tree. And if you mm-hmm. change your water cycle, you won't be enticing that big neighbor to come visiting. The fact that he's pruning that tree back a lot will help help a lot with the root growth. They won't grow as much when the tree's been pruned. So the fact that he did the major pruning is going to help. I would go by the fence line and cut the roots out that you have and uh, then, then deal with it in that fashion. And I think you'll be fine, Dennis. Thank you a lot. Have a nice Easter. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Oh, we're going to take a short break while we're gone. Gosh, you guys are really spry this morning, and so is Byron. I looked up. I was talking to a gentleman, and next thing you know, all the lines are full except for the one you're going to call next. The number to call, 602-277-5827. It's Byron and Gabriel and Brian here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show this beautiful Easter Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR. Slope, Arizona out here. Couldn't be a much prettier Easter morning. Looks like the lines are full, so we'll get all of the phones. As one's gone, one's open. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Uh, next up, we have Chris in Scottsdale. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Brian. Happy Easter to you. To you as well. So uh, almost exactly a year ago, I planted a 20, uh, 48-inch box a flowering pear, it's got about four inch diameter, probably twenty feet or a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what's what's the right formula for taking the and it's side stakes right now. So I'm just curious, like how long do you keep the side stakes on? I see people leave them on for like five years, and the tree's really big. Chris, it just, it just has it, a single stake on it. Yeah, no, it, it has two side stakes with the you know the the wire stays. Okay, and, um, is it pretty loose where it can move back and forth in the wind? Yeah, it is. It, okay. I mean, it's, then that's, I, that, that's, I don't know. 
That's that's great, Chris. Well, I just wonder what you mean by that. Well, I mean it so that the, the, there's no tension on the wires whenever the the tree is standing. Oh, actually, itself. yeah. Well, on one side, there's a little bit of tension, but, but okay. for the most part, no. It's just kind of the tree seems to be pretty strong. Well, know? yeah. To, just to check it, what I would do is just loosen it up a lot first. Okay. So the okay. tree can move back and forth. So the trunk can move back and forth at least a foot. Okay, so it could really get because basically what we want the trees to get its exercise. You know, it get, needs to get up in the morning and go for a jog and stretch and do those kind of things. And that's what trees naturally do in the wind, and they build a lot more strength in their trunk. So loosen it up so it can move back and forth. Okay, and as long as it can okay. move a foot or so, it's fine. You know, leave the stakes through monsoon season. You know, and probably then this coming winter, you could probably remove the stakes altogether. You might do a little pruning okay. and shaping of the head that time of year. And one other little kicker that really helps those, especially if it's a Kawakami pair, feed it some chelated iron about now. So of all okay. the things and all the trees, if you'll feed that uh, flowering pair with some extra chelated iron, that'll keep it real happy and dark green. Oh, good. Okay. All right. So roughly you're saying about a year and a half, is that? Well, I mean, it wouldn't, a... it wouldn't need to be that long. We're just going to err on the side of caution. You know, it's a big tree. It's okay. a happy tree, but it's had stakes longer than we would normally leave them. You know, the wintertime is the best okay. time to remove them because we do a little pruning, let the tree just kind of stand up. And then as it leaps out in the spring, it puts on enough foliage to be in balance with its strength. Okay. But we're, we're not yeah, the wintertime yeah, anymore. It... We've got summer monsoons coming. You know, it's, it's got a big head. It just came out for the spring. So just loosen yeah. it up. And if it can move back and forth a foot, it's fine. And if you find out that it's a little weak when it's moving back and forth a foot, don't be afraid to do a little thinning on the inside of the tree. Take a little weight off of it so that it can support okay. itself better and balance better. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. All right. Thank you Thanks, so much. Chris. Appreciate your time. Bye bye. Uh, Dave in Phoenix. Good morning, Dave. Hi there. Um, bought a rental house a year ago for my 25-year-old and his new bride, and they have not been as diligent as they should be. But we were over there last night, and the weeds are out of control, and it's all different weeds. It's kind of a kind of a crabgrass in some areas, and some other weeds. What's the best way to not only one eradicate it now, but two to do anything we can to prevent it because they're just overwhelming the backyard. Well, you know, it's a 25-year-old, you know, and, I, and they're busy doing yeah. other fun things. And I could remember yeah. when I was exactly 25 years old is when I got married, and we bought a house down in South Phoenix, you know, and, and uh, I had an irrigated lawn that, that looked terrible. And so I asked my father, I said, hey, father, what do we do here? You know, my dad, Jack, says, well, you know, don't worry about it, Brian. Just start mowing and fertilizing, and you know, you'll be surprised. By the middle of summer, you're going to have a really nice, nice lawn. You know what? And it was exactly true. So even though you have a lot of weeds and things this time of year, if you have a good base of Bermuda grass, if they'll come through right now and just mow it really short, scalp it down, okay, just like you're going to plant ryegrass in the fall, and come back and fertilize and water, that lawn will come back and fill in and do a lot of wonderful things this summer. I take it, Dave, it didn't have any ryegrass, right? Uh, we did have ryegrass, and the grass part of it is not as bad. This is in the flower bed area. Okay. Um, there so, are some weeds in the Bermuda, but this is the rest of the yard. In the flower bed area, and this is mixed in amongst plants? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, the, uh, just the succulents, but no, it's mainly just on the rock, the, the gravel rock that's okay. not part of the grass in the backyard, and okay. they just let it go, and it's really rough. Yeah, so what you can do this time of year, you're going to have you know different sections of weeds. We have winter weeds that are there now. We have summer weeds coming up. So what the best thing to do would be go back and remove the large weeds, okay? And you could spray with a, a combination if you want to. If you're not going to get it on any plants, okay, you could mix a pre-emergent like pendimethalin, and you could mix that with uh, glyphosate or Roundup, 
and you can spot spray with like a small tank sprayer. But that's after the weeds are kind of all cut, you know, or I'd kind of removed most of the weeds. And then the best thing to do is cover the whole rest of the area, come back one more spring with like a pendimethalone or maize or one of these pre-emergents. Put that on now and then put the pre-emergent on again in September and again in January. And the problem will kind of take care of itself over time. So it's about an every three-month maintenance kind no, of thing? No, it's really the, the maintenance is the one-time deal to get it cleaned up now and spray, and then spray twice, probably a pre-emergent and a contact herbicide. Or, or you can mix them if you follow the label. And, and then the, the thing is, is to you know that should take care of all the existing winter weeds. The main thing is to cut the big ones, but that will get rid of the summer weeds, and the pre-emergent should stop more summer weeds from coming up. Then you want to basically come down and put a pre-emergent down in September and that's going to stop the winter weeds. And then back again next year, late January, early February, that's going to top the spring summer weeds. So if you'll get it back into a rotation, then you won't have a problem. Excellent. Very good. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Bye-bye. Uh, Linda in Wickenburg. Hello, Linda. Hi, Brian. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for asking. Good. Um, hey, I wanted to know what your thoughts are on a shamel ash a uh, shamel ash is a beautiful tree. It's a tropical ash. It comes from central Mexico, you know, and different than our Arizona ash. It's going to do better if it's in a lawn, okay? It's not a great tree for rock compared to a Fantex or Fan West, which are grafted Arizona ash, which are going to be a lot, um, you know, hardier here in our desert. So if you're going mm-hmm. to put it in the middle of a nice big lawn, shamel ash is fine. Now, I'll tell you one thing. In Wickenburg, sometimes we have freezes. We haven't in a long time. But shamel ash can also be frost tender. So if it's going to get down below about 16 degrees, it's going to do some major damage, especially to a young shamel ash. There again, mm-hmm. I would recommend a Fantex or Fan West, you know, if you're going to be in a colder area. Okay. Okay. And, and my other question is, when cactuses start to overall turn kind of a kind of a really light green, mm-hmm. almost almost like yellow. Mm-hmm. Is it how do you tell if it's dead? Too much water, not enough. Well it could can kind of be both because when they're really suffering that'll happen. And if they're native cactus last year they had plenty of rain. So it's not going to be not enough water last summer. The summer before a lot of cactus, even native cactus died because it was so dry. So with mm. cactus, are these natural cactus or ones you planted? No, they're ones that have been planted, but okay. they're small. They're you know. Okay, so a planted cactus, you want to put a small emitter on, like a one-gallon emitter. Okay, and in the summertime, you can run about once a week. Okay. Okay. Hey, Linda, have a okay. nice Easter. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Brian. Bye-bye. Well, and I'm looking up, and I'm looking at Byron. He's smiling at me, and he says, you know, it's time. we gotta, we got to talk to Gabriel and find out what's happened out in the planet. So we're going to go to the news here with... Uh, on 92.3 FM KTR. After Gabriel gets us light, and we'll be back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. And during the break, you can call Byron. And Byron's phone number here is 602-277-5827. It's Byron, Brian, and Gabriel with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show Sunday from 7 to 9 on a happy Easter on, on 92.3 FM KTAR. Here comes Peter Cottontail, hopping down the bunny trail, hippity-hopping Easter's on its way, bringing every girl and boy, baskets full of Easter joy, things to make your Easter bright and gay. 
He's got jelly beans for Tommy, colored eggs for Sister Sue. There's an orchid for your mommy and an Easter bonnet too. Oh, here comes Peter Cottontail, hopping down the bunny trail. Hippity hoppity happy Easter day. Well, welcome back. You know, we have to play a local Gene Autry here. You know, Gene Autry uh, owned KOI Radio and, and he owned a lot of things, but uh, he was a great Arizona, especially with his time with Channel 10. And, uh, you know, what a good what a good person, what a good part of our society, and what a wonderful man here that uh, had a lot of fun singing and writing songs and having a good time. Anyway, we've got three. No, we got four open lines. This is the most we've had, Byron, since we started. So it's the perfect time to give Byron a call. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR, and a beautiful Easter morning. Uh, Michaela in uh, Mesa, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Wonderful, Michaela. A question for you about yellow belt. Is there a good time of year to trim them? Can we trim them now? You could trim them whenever you like. It's not going to harm them at all. Um, You know, kind of with yellow bells, they're kind of like bougainvilleas. The best two times to trim them, if you want to just trim them twice, are going to be in August after the caterpillars feast on them and then back back in about the 1st of March. But, you know, you can prune them right now. You can prune them any time of the year. It's not going to hurt the plant at all, Michaela. Okay, and then I have one other quick question about pink hibiscus. Mm-hmm. Right now we have it in full sun, but with the summer coming up, should we be moving it to partial sun? No, hibiscus really likes sun, you know, and they're going to do the best okay. in sun. And some of the pink varieties are the hardiest. If it's just solid pink, it's called lipstick, and it's kind of yeah. what you think of just, you know, one of those dancing girls' lip- lipstick, you know. Uh, and that bright one is the hardiest of all hibiscus. So that will just do wonderfully in full sun. Are you going to keep it in a container, Michaela? Or are you going to put it in the ground? Um, it's in a pot, so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll keep it in a big pot. Okay, and that's fine. And but... it's flourishing right now. Mm-hmm. It's got tons of leaves and tons of bloom, so it's doing really well right now. It's, we had a hard time with it last summer. Okay. There are a lot of different cultivars of hibiscus, too. So does it have a single uh, bright pink flower? Is it multicolored, or what's it look like? No, it's just a single pink. Okay. Good chance is that it's, it's probably a lipstick then. And if it's yeah. a lighter pink, there's, there's, there's three or four different pinks that are really hardy. And uh, so I, I don't think you're going to have a cultivar that's going to have a problem. You know, if you have it potted in a large pot, do you have it in regular potting soil or did you mix some dirt in with it? We mixed it. Oh, okay. Well, a little dirt actually really helps it because it retains more moisture. Put it on. Put it in as much sun as you like. Feed it. Make sure it gets watered at least once a week, depending on the soil mix you have, and it should be happy. But what? What should we feed it? Um, it's not very picky, and it can't read. So, if you want to feed it for the long term, the easiest thing to use is a product like Osmocote. And the nice part about that is it's a slow release fertilizer, and it'll last about sixty days here in the summertime. Or if you like to go out and play with it and feed it more often, you could feed it Miracle Grow or Super Bloom or Twenty Twenty Twenty, and all those will work fine. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Michaela. Bye bye. Have a happy Easter. You Bye-bye. too, Michaela. Uh, Dave and Tempe. Good morning, Dave. Yes. Good morning, Brian. Happy Easter to you. To you as well, Brian. We planted a uh, Desert Diva Desert Willow. It was a thirty-inch pot back in September. 
how often should I be watering that now, and then how should I change that in the summer? You know, once a week's plenty, Dave. Um, desert willows, you know, are kind of riparian. The fact that they grow, you know, like our native one here with the pink flower grows anywhere from about 2,800 to 5,000 feet in, in, you know, kind of in washes and rivers and creeks and that kind of thing. So they do like to have some water, but they don't mm-hmm. have to stay real wet. And okay. uh, once a week is going to be plenty often. You know, even during the hottest part of the summer, even then? when it's 118 or 120, however hot it gets this summer, we hope it doesn't get 120. But if yeah. it does, you know, and, and you see that you're going to have day after day of that hot, you could go out and just throw a hose on it and water it once extra, you know, and that's okay. good for any kind of, especially a younger plant, but even big trees, because, you know, there's a point with no humidity. If it's, you know, 115, they're going to take everything they can out. But in a right. normal summer condition, under 110, a good deep irrigation once a week's fine. Great. Okay, thank you very much, Brian. Thank you, Dave, and happy Easter to you as well. Bye-bye. Happy Easter. Bye. Uh, Ray out in AJ. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, sir. Could you tell us, the radio audience, a little story about your pickup with your dinosaurs in that humongous tree on Glendale Avenue, please? (laughs) Well... Ray, we could tell lots of stories, you know, and, and, and I was so fortunate. But, you know, I think, Byron, are you Native American? Would you happen to be Navajo? I'll tell you a really fun story. Okay, when I when I started off when I was young, when I was five years old, uh, my grandfather, the nursery that we have on Glendale Avenue was predominantly an orange grove. It was my grandparents' orange grove. And my grandmother found that property when they moved out. They lived down on Pima Street downtown, and she wanted to get and raise the family out of town. So they moved way out to Glendale Avenue on a dirt road. <laughs> and uh, they bought that property for $2,500 in 1945, and it had wow. a little shack on it. And so they moved into the shack and started working on their adobe home that they built next door. So as I grew up and came along, when I was about five years old, it was wonderful hanging out with my grandparents. And uh, so I would be there hanging out with my grandparents. And they ripe old age of five, I started selling oranges. And so I'd run the fruit stand with my grandmother. And she would, you know, entrust me to run the fruit stand at age five. So I'd come home after school, especially, you know, really our best time for naval oranges here is January, February. And I would come down and hang out and, uh, and sell oranges out there. And uh, they were delicious. So we, we used to get a lot of oranges. We had our own orange grove, but we didn't have enough. So we used to get some oranges from uh, John F. Long's Grove that used to be over at 19th Avenue and uh, Thunderbird. And in there, there were big sucker fruits. So whenever all the fruit was sold for the season and the pickers picked all they could pick commercially, there's always that big fruit that sets inside of the tree that is the most wonderful navels of the year. And so wow. there was a fellow named Joe who ran the farm, and, and John F. Long enabled him to take all the gleaning, so all the extra fruit in the interior, and remove it. So I would go with my grandfather after school and would pick up, you know, just a few boxes of navel oranges and would take them there and sell them on Glendale. And, and why, why I was telling him, I was asking Byron if he was Native American. First off, he looks like he's full-blooded Navajo. But, <laughs> but aside from that, the, the Nanays do have their certain look, you know. They don't look like Hopis, Nanay or Nanay. But anyway, <laughs> with Byron here. Uh, so I was out selling oranges out there along the street side. And my best customers would come down from Navajo, northern Arizona. And this is like January and February. you got to imagine how cold it is you know, up in the northeast corner of the state of Arizona in the wintertime. It's windy and it's cold and it's just not a good time to be outside. You know, you got to take care of your animals and do things, but just not a good time to be outside. So they come to Phoenix and they'd stop by the fruit stand. Here I'm a five-year-old guy selling them oranges, you know. So we're selling them oranges and and they really like navels. And these navels were probably the best navels I've ever eaten. 
And when you grow up in the citrus business, you get really spoiled. There's nothing quite as good as a, a good navel orange. And they didn't drive all the way down to Phoenix not to have navels. So they would drive down and have navels, but they liked the navels so much they wanted to take them back to their friends and family. But it got to the point when you fill up the trunk of your car, and a, and a, lot, of, and a lot of Native Americans have pickups too. So they can really kind of haul a lot of navels. So they would come down, and they want to bring enough navels to bring up to all their friends and family. And it got to the point where, you know, they cost too much to fill up a pickup load. So they asked me if we could trade. And I said, well, absolutely we can trade if I clear it with my <laughs> grandfather. So I went to my grandfather and said, Granddad, can we trade, you know, the oranges for blankets? Because they have a lot more blankets and we have a lot more oranges and they want the oranges. And can you use the blankets? And he said, sure, Brian. So now they didn't trade good blankets. Okay. They traded blankets. I mean, and the thing about it is, is culturally when you have blankets and you have blankets that have been sitting around for, for generations, you have some good ones and you have some not so good ones. But my grandfather didn't care. He was very good hearted. And he entrusted me to do all this trading, a five-year-old young man with, uh, with the, the Navajos. And I'll never forget them for being so kind to me. Wow. Anyway, that's wow. the story for the day, Ray, and I'm sticking to it. And thanks for your call, and happy Easter. Thank you, sir. Terrific story. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Jim and Peoria is up next after Jim. We've got four open lines. Give Byron a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Jim. Yeah, good morning. How are you? Excellent. Great. Hey, I moved into my house about four years ago. And there was an orange tree on it, and some of the limbs were, you know, dead. And uh, there was no irrigation system, so, but, you know, I put, I watered it as much as I could in that. And every year I get more and more limbs that are dying, and the bark is coming off. Since then, I've put in an irrigation system, and it's still happening. Well, Jim, you know, what's what, happened what is the want? tree's been stressed. It's been exposed to the sun. And if you went to the beach and didn't wear a shirt and couldn't move for a year, you'd probably be dead. So that citrus tree's doing okay if it's even got one live leaf on it. But what you want oh, to yeah. do to protect it, okay, is you want to let it protect itself. And, you know, trees have an uncanny ability. Nature's one of these beautiful things. We think about it as spring when everything's new and Easter, you know, and it's the time of new life. And, and so this could be the time of new life for your tree. But what you need to do, number one, is quit pruning anything that comes out of the lower branches on that tree and let it come back okay. full and bushy down below. Okay. And have you fed it? No, I haven't. Okay. You, have you eaten in the last two years? Uh, yes. <laughs> so it's probably <laughs> just sense. a little hungry, Jim. So what I would do for it right now, I mean, it's the perfect call because this is Easter. This is the time we want to go out and fix and save things. And this is the time that reminds us Christians that there's a new life and a rebirth, right? So what we want to That's do for right. your tree is, is go ahead and go fertilize it right now. Okay. Let the lower mm -hmm. branches and suckers and all that growth come out. Now we want to keep it cleaned off about the bottom 12 or 14 inches. Don't even come out that low because those are going to be rootstock, probably a sour orange on an old tree. But let everything come out and just grow, okay? And just kind of fertilize it and let it grow. If it's got a lot that's still bare, go ahead and paint that white right now. And then for this summer, okay. fer fertilize it once a month, just a light shot of fertilizer, not too much at one time, but a light shot of fertilizer okay. once a month all summer long. And because it's kind of older and hurting, let's water it once a week pretty deep. How large in diameter is the trunk, Jim? It's probably about, I'd say, 
eight to ten inches. Okay, so it's a pretty old tree. So we're going to give it at least a hundred to hundred and fifty gallons of water. Okay, one okay. time a week, fertilizer once a month, and let all that little low stuff come back in and fill in. And then next year, the first of March, I'd like to see you just cut the whole top of the tree way back and prune all the dead off it, and it'll pop back out with a new flush. You'll probably get a good crop next year. It'll be happy, and spring will have sprung. Okay. That sounds great. All right, Jim. Thank you. Have a nice Easter. Thank you. You. Bye-bye. Steve in Scottsdale. Hello, Steven. Hey. I really enjoy your show. Hey, um, I heard a couple things. I plant um, things in the yard, and I put those concrete collars around the base, or you know, the rocks around the plants, kind of a as a margin around them. And I heard someone say that that's not really good; that the heat in the summer uh, absorbs in the concrete, and it's kind of not good for the plants. Is, have you heard that? Is that true? Hey, Steve, let me ask you something. Did, did you grow up here in town? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. Well, anyway, if you, if you look at the Phoenix Mountain Preserve, all these beautiful mountains that we have around the valley, you know, from North Mountain to Squaw Mountain to, to we can't, call, can't call it Squaw Peak anymore. Now it's uh, Piestua Peak. Piestua Peak. But, you know, all these mountains around the valley and stuff, you know, if you look at these and if you go up and you look at all the rocks and you go up and where the water runs down in between the rocks, it has beautiful Palo Verdes and ironwood trees and cactus pop out of there and all different kinds of things. That's about as hot as it gets, you know. But the key to life in the desert is one thing, it's water. You know, and the fact that a rock's growing next to you doesn't really hurt you much. And the rock does hold more heat, and that's all probably true. But the uh, the fact is, if you just go out and look at nature when you want to landscape and, and take a look at how many trees grow up next to a rock, because maybe it blocked a stream and it retains more moisture, the water is far more important than your rock is, and it's not going to hurt anything. So, so in Scottsdale, much much of Arizona, we have all those rock, those um, stone walls or concrete walls. And sure. So plants growing up against the walls, they're not. Well, no, that's a different thing. Either. When you have a big wall, okay, so it's yeah. going to reflect the heat. If you go to the west side of the wall, okay, and you have a heat fulcrum in there, that's going to get mm-hmm. to be 150 to 180 degrees in the summertime. And uh, some some plants do fine. If you want to plant a bougainvillea yeah. on the west side of a wall, it's fine. If you want to plant a mosquito palo verde in the west side of the wall and let them bush up from low, they're fine. And a lot of our other desert shrubs, you know, from the brittle bush that grows all over the hills to the creosote, uh, they don't mind that. But many of the tropical plants uh, will have a harder time getting started. And even things like a ladybank's rose, if you're going to try and plant them on the west side of a wall, you'd want to put them in in the fall so they can protect themselves. But if you allow plants to protect themselves, even if they're on the west side of a wall, they'll thrive. But most times, if you're going to plant anything that's tropical or kind of more traditional, you would want to install those in the fall. Like yellow bells, I was thinking about. Yellow bells plant right now, they're tough. That's a native, okay? Gotcha. Thanks, right, well, Steve. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we have three open lines. We have Byron back here smiling on the phones and the music. Uh, give him a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. I put a message in a bottle. And I walk down to the sea Like the waves upon the water The thought keep coming back to me 
And this old world could use some loving Just some simple TLC I put a message in a bottle Made a wish and set it free I put a message in a bottle And then I asked the stars above For anybody who may find it To open happiness and love And I hear the sound of children laughing And people dancing in the street I put a message in a bottle Made a wish and set it free Well, welcome back, folks, to this beautiful Easter Sunday morning, and it couldn't be much prettier outside. I'd like to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfield's, but first I would like to wish you a happy Easter and tell you that we will be closed today, home with our families. Hope you can enjoy the day with yours. And if you're looking for trees and flowers and beautiful growing stuff, well, we'll we'll be back tomorrow. But uh, whatever your dreams are, whether it be a desert landscape, tropical, if you want to grow some food, we do it all here in Arizona, and we have now for four generations, from citrus trees and fruit trees to beautiful palms of all varieties, from fruiting date palms to bismarckias and maybe an exotic mule palm. Or if you're looking for some shade, we've got our native trees, things that are like the ironwoods and palo verdes and mesquites, and we have some improved ones like an American mesquite that's a little stronger and not thorny, uh, but we also have fruity, fruitless olives and uh, all kinds of shade trees. Whatever your dream, come out and see us. We deliver plant and guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, insured. Been growing trees here now for four generations. And boy, I was fortunate enough to be born here in our beautiful state of Arizona. And uh, we always want to remind you from Whitfield. So how we water is critical. How we utilize water is critical. How we manage our water is critical. You know, here in Arizona, we have some of the oldest farm ground in the whole United States. Continuously farm for over 4,000 years. And how we manage water and our ability to manage water is much improved. But water is a finite commodity and it comes from the heavens and it comes down the form of rain or snow. And uh, we only get what we get every year. And uh, while we have wonderful storage here with the SRP and then the all of the CAP, our whole projects here to store and manage our water. Uh, water is life. And, you know, this is the time of spring, you know, and Easter when everything's new and regenerating. But uh, we have to always be mindful of how we use our water, why we use our water, what we're going to use it for. And that preserves life here in the desert. Anyway, we'll get back to the phones. Looks like Dan in North Phoenix, Mark, Bob, and then it could be you. The number to call for Byron, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, and good morning to Byron and you. Uh, I just had a question about our grapefruit tree. Um, it has uh, east-west exposure, and on the east side, all the grapefruits are great. Uh, on the west side, which gets afternoon sun, uh, they're burnt. And so my obvious question is, uh, you know, is that from the hotter afternoon sun, or should I put a canopy up? Or well, no, Dan, that, that's normal. But, you know, if you go, if you go over and look at our citrus groves, you know, there's nothing shading or protecting them except for maybe the tree next door, and we always have a west row. Okay. So what it tells me is one of two things, either maybe number one, the tree's just not getting enough water. Okay. The fruit on the very outside of the tree, you know, that's usually a sacrificial fruit, especially with some of our lemons and things. So that's what ends up going to the juice plant. 
And uh, okay. Sun Orchard makes juice out of it right here in town. But the stuff that's inside the tree shouldn't be burning. And if the leaves are burning on the, on the west side, you might need to water just a little deeper, maybe some more often. And the other thing is okay. you want to make sure that the canopy of the tree goes down low to the ground to protect the tree from the afternoon sun. Okay. That makes sense. And then, of course, when they fall to the ground, some bird or something drills in them and sucks the juice out. I'm not sure well, who does Well, there's that, a but... lot of things. that they're not. The birds will poke holes in the side. A lot of rodents will eat the inside of grapefruit. When grapefruit get good, we're not the only ones who enjoy them. <laughs> right. I got it. Got javelinas right. around. They'll eat them when they fall, too, or whatever they can pick. <laughs> Dan, thank yeah. you. Well, hopefully we don't get those. Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Mark and Chandler. Hello, Mark. Good morning. As I've learned from your show, uh, my citrus trees can't read. But if you were a citrus tree, which would you enjoy more? 13.10.4 or 16.8.2? Well, let, let me uh, kind of go through the label with you real quick. So if you look on the label, you're going to have those three numbers, right? And those three numbers, phosphorus and potash, yeah. Okay, so that's the main things, okay? And citrus do like more nitrogen. That's kind of the main thing. So the 16-4-2 or something like that, that would be more in balance with what we would normally use. But it really doesn't make that difference. What makes more important difference in those two fertilizers is what it says after that. It's the minor ingredients. So if you're going to use a citrus fertilizer for here in the desert, two things you want to always include is you want to include some iron, Okay, and some sulfur. And the sulfur helps to counteract our water, helps to, you know, lower, basically doesn't exactly lower the pH, but it helps the, 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 fruit, the fruit tree to be able to take up more of the other nutrients. So you want sulfur to keep the pH more in balance, okay, and, and iron. So those other minor nutrients are every bit as important as the first three. And on the first one, the nitrogen, when you look at the label, uh, it could be made from ammonium nitrate and urea is the most common, you know, form of nitrogen. That's going to release very quickly. So just keep in mind when you put it on that you're going to get a, you know, a big shot of nitrogen all at once. And so, you know, if you have a younger tree, you know, nitrogen's kind of the key. That's the biggest ingredient we need to add the most. But when you're adding nitrogen, if it's made from ammonium nitrate and urea, it's going to release fast. Just don't put too much on at one time. And that's probably where you like your your the organo grower. Well, the organo pro is not quite formulated the way it used to be. It's still a good one, and it does have chelated iron and sulfur, so I think that's a plus. You know, and it has Which all the Arizona's other best. Arizona's best is another brand. I don't think it's quite as good, but it's still pretty good. You know, it's not a, not a bad fertilizer choice at all. You know, and what we're doing out at our groves, because we're organic, you know, ours is a little tougher because our nitrogen source, we can't use any of those. So we have to use things like chicken manure and fish emulsion. And, and uh, you know, it takes a lot of chicken manure to get, you know, because chicken manure is about 3% nitrogen. It takes a lot of chicken manure. Now, we get other good, you know, symbiosis because we're building the soil that way. So we have a relationship between our bacteria and things that breaks down organic nitrogen works really well. And uh, and we like using organic nitrogen, but it would certainly be easy sometime to, to, to have another source. But organic nitrogen is kind of the hardest thing to get. And then what we do, because we're doing hundreds of acres, is we go out and sample our soil. And, for example, on our grove and hider, we have to add an awful lot of magnesium. Uh, which is Epsom salt, because our water and soil does, don't have any. But most soils in Arizona do have magnesium. It just happens that that farm, you know, is out of balance. But 
you know, at home, shotgun approach, any one of those fertilizers is going to work fine. You know, moderation's the key. If the nitrogen's hot, don't put too much on at one time. You know, we always say fertilize February and, you know, the three holidays, you know, Valentine's Day, Labor Day, Memorial Day. That's great. But you can feed it more often and less in between, and that's fine, too. Got it. Yeah, everybody have a great day out there. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, it looks like it's time. We're running into the news here again. We have Gabriel leaking in. So uh, let's see. Maggie, you'll be up next in the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. During the break, you can give Byron a call at 602-277-5827. It's Byron, Gabriel, and Brian here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show this Sunday from 7 to 9 on Easter, 92.3 FM.